Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. We are surveying Paul's uh, letter to the church at Corinth that we know as 2 Corinthians, and we've looked at the first six chapters and so are picking up with chapter 7 uh, in 2 Corinthians. In chapter 7, uh, the chapter tells us some things about what happened in Paul's journeys, and as a result of his writing of the letter of 1 Corinthians. First, he exhorts the believers at Corinth to make room in their hearts for them, in verse 2, probably to combat some who were speaking out against Paul and his missionary team. A lot of the letter of 2 Corinthians uh, seems very much like Paul is defending, to some degree, his apostleship, his ability to proclaim the gospel. He speaks of his coming into Macedonia, and this relates to uh, Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, where we saw Paul travel from Ephesus into Macedonia, and then down to the city of Corinth, and then back to Macedonia and across the Aegean over to Asia Minor once again. So he speaks of his coming into Macedonia where this letter would have been written and his finding Titus there, which was a comfort to him that he took ultimately as God giving him comfort. God comforted Paul even in his affliction through the coming of Titus and Titus's good report about the Corinthian church's reception of his letter and even their repentance, he says in verse 9. Not only this, but Paul's confidence in the Corinthian church was proved right when Titus brought back this good word, and Titus himself was refreshed and joyful because of the church at Corinth. Paul's description of that church to Titus, then, he says, was not wrong. Uh, look at verses 14 through 16 of chapter 7. Paul says, For whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. So Paul would have told Titus about the, the great love and community that the believers in Jesus had for one another in the, the church at Corinth. And Titus, for his part, when he delivered the, the letter of 1 Corinthians, during his stay with the church at Corinth, began to realize that everything Paul had said about them was true. Now, in chapter 8, Paul writes first about the gift that the Corinthians were going to, to give for the church in Jerusalem. He tells them of the example of the Macedonians who were greatly afflicted, 
and many of them, he says, in poverty, and yet had given very generously uh, for the church in Jerusalem. Uh, we see this here in 2 Corinthians and also in Romans chapter 15 and verse 26, uh, written a short while after this letter. He called the Corinthians now to do the same and urged Titus to collect what he calls the act of grace. This would have been a financial gift for the church in Jerusalem. In verses 8 through 15, Paul explained that he was not commanding them to give, but that they should do it as an example for their love for the Lord Jesus, who for our sake became poor, so that by his poverty uh, we might be made rich, in verse 9. Their giving was a way for believers in Christ to supply each other's needs. In verses 6 through 24, Paul goes on to speak of Titus and two others going with him that he's sending ahead of him to the Corinthian church to begin to collect the gift. This was done so that there could be no charge of misappropriations of the funding, uh, according to verse 20. If Paul had just sent Titus, uh, there may have been a possibility that Titus might have, you know, pocketed some of the money or, or some other um, person of less character might have taken some of that money themselves. But he sends three people so that they can all testify uh, that the money that they receive from the Corinthians is actually what they possess and what they have. They want it to be above reproach in their actions with money. And so coming into chapter 9, chapter 9 sees Paul explaining why he's sending Titus and his group to Corinth before coming himself. The Corinthians might have wondered, why didn't Paul just, just come down himself? Well, he wanted to be sure that the gift was ready, he says, so that he might not be embarrassed in the eyes of the Macedonians who have given so generously if the church at Corinth was not prepared. And Paul had been telling everyone in Macedonia that the church at Corinth were uh, wonderful examples of generosity. He wants to make sure that, they, that, that what he's been saying about them is actually true. And so he exhorts them in the following verses, verses 8 through 15, to give generously in their giving. Uh, verses 6 through 7 are, are really important here. He says in, in again, this is uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving will not only result in benefit to those who receive the gift, but it would result in the benefit of the overflow of thanksgiving and the glorification of God in verses 12 and 13, and even result in a benefit for those who are themselves giving for the sake of others. 
So Paul finishes this section by exclaiming in praise, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift in verse 15. So his point here in chapter 9 is that the, the way that believers in Christ contribute to serve the needs and meet the needs of others, whether those needs are financial or practical, uh, some sort of way that they need assistance, it's a reflection of, of God's generosity in sending his own son. And this is what he's referring to as the inexpressible gift that Jesus himself, the eternal son of God, took on humanity and came into this world was an act of God's love, of his generosity, of his graciousness. And so believers in Christ are to be equally generous and gracious in their giving, whether that giving, again, is financial or giving in our service, giving of our time, giving of our energy. We should give generously of what God has given to us as a reflection of God's generosity and grace demonstrated in the sending of his son. Now in chapter 10, Paul goes on to defend his apostolic ministry once again. He responds to the claims of some in verses 1 through 6 that he is cowardly. Uh, apparently, he had been accused of being humble in person, but bold through pen, through letter. Well, he responds to this accusation by saying that he hopes he will not have to be bold in person, but he plans to be bold towards some who suspect him of walking according to the flesh, as he says in chapter 10 and verse 2. Well, Paul, although he has been uh, accused of being uh, uh, courageous only through letter, uh, says that he's been consistent. He would rather be humble in all situations, but he is bold when he needs to be bold and humble and gentle when he needs to be those things. He then responds to the charge that he is weak in verses 7 through 11. Look at verse 10 of chapter 10. Uh, Paul says there, For they say, his accusers, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech is of no account. Paul's response is that his conversation is consistent, both in person and in letter. Paul sought to be the same, both in person and by pen. In verses 13 through 18, Paul responds to the charge that he was overextending himself beyond his God-appointed limits by visiting the city of Corinth and sharing the gospel there. Paul explains that God had assigned him to go to Corinth and even beyond in contrast to his opponents or perhaps his competitors. Paul says it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends in verse 18. Now in chapter 11, Paul goes on to express his love and concern for the church at Corinth in that he's concerned someone will come and deceive them. 
Paul speaks of his willingness to work for his own sustenance and not put any burden on the church at Corinth unnecessarily, in contrast with what these false apostles, as he calls them, are doing among the Corinthians. He says of them, their end will correspond to their deeds, in verse 15. Then in chapter 11, verses 16 through 33, Paul talks about all the credentials that he that could allow him to boast, his heritage as a Jew, his sacrifice for Christ, his love for the churches and the service that he's given to them. But he concludes this section by saying uh, in, in verse 30, that if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Then in chapter 12, continuing to speak about what he could boast in, he recounts seeing visions from God in verses 1 through 6 when he was caught up into heaven. He speaks in the third person here. Yet to keep him from becoming conceited and arrogant, he was given a thorn in the flesh, we read in verse 7. Paul pleaded with the Lord to remove it, but the Lord told him, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, in verse 9. So, Paul says, he would only boast in his weakness so that the power of Christ might be upon him. This is a stark contrast uh, to the boasting of the false prophets. Paul tells the Corinthian church he's ready to come to them for a third time and had not taken any money from them and also had told Titus not to take advantage of them in that way as well. So Paul expresses his concern that he find the church at Corinth in a good condition to receive him when he comes and remaining uh, not remaining in the sins that he formerly wrote to them about, like impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality. And finally, we come to the final chapter, chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians. This closing chapter sees Paul reiterating his warning that he would not spare those who were sinning in the church. While they are uh, weak in Christ, the apostles are weak in Christ, they would not be weak in dealing with sin in the church, in verse 4. He exhorts them to examine themselves to see whether they are in the faith. This is not simply a call to assess if they are truly believing in Jesus, but if their lives and conduct match their confession. He says that they pray uh, they should pray for their restoration in verse 9, and he is writing this now so that he might not have to be severe with them when he comes. He gives a final word of greeting in verses 11 through 14, and then uh, verse 14 is a great benediction uh, which shows each of the divine persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, at work in grace in the lives of the Corinthians. Now, next time we will begin to look at Paul's letter to the Romans, which he would write from the city of Corinth when he visited there a little bit later. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partners.